When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm here with Chris Hess, the owner of Biometric, which is athletic movements, athletic performance, and stuff like that. Chris, thanks for making the drive all the way up here to Santa Clarita from Newport Beach. Um, how'd you get involved in this? What is the Chris Hess story? Uh, Chris Hess story starts on a cornfield in Northwest Iowa, right? So I come from a small rural community um, in the Midwest. Um, where sports are kind of the backbone of the community, right? And what you did. So you played as a male athlete. I played football in the fall, right? It was wrestling in the winter. Some played basketball. And then there's track in the spring, baseball in the fall. So sports has always kind of been a, a theme throughout my life. Um, after high school, went on, went to Kansas State University, was fortunate enough to be a walk-on there, played collegiate football for Bill Snyder, um, the legend at K-State back in the mid-90s. And then the connection to California there is as a sophomore, we played in the Holiday Bowl, um, playing in the Holiday Bowl. First time I'd ever traveled to California, get off the plane. I'm in love. I know where I'm moving the minute that uh, I graduate from from college. So that perpetrated a move from uh, the Midwest out to California. Because it's 75 degrees, it's sunny, and it's December. Yeah, yeah, it was December. And I think even at that time, it was, you know, 55 or 60 degrees. And, you know, here we are, the Midwesterners, we're walking around in shorts and t-shirts and everybody else is bundled up who are the locals. But yeah, I mean, it was just beautiful. And the the lifestyle and the culture and the, everything about the ocean and the mountains is great. And there's that's why people, we live here, but people come here to yes. vacation. So why not move here? How did you get involved with Biometric? It's your own company yes. with athletic movements and performance and, and the whole thing. Yeah. So with, with sports being kind of that theme through my life, um, the first 20 years of my post-collegiate experience was I worked for companies and corporations. So I worked for the San Diego Padres, worked for the San Diego Chargers when they were still in San Diego, um, worked for Callaway Golf Company, worked for Shimano Corporation, all either sports organizations or companies that have that backbone running through sports. And I'd work in product development in those sites. So again, there's athletics running through. Well, in my early 40s, um, had enough of the, the corporate life and knew I wanted to start my own business. So the first thing I started was helping athletes try and find the right coaches or sporting clubs um, for that. That business model struggled in the sense of that people want the answer right now or right away, kind of the, the impatience that happens. But in researching that and doing that position, what I found was coaches wanted more objective feedback to make good decisions and athletes. And if you're a youth athlete, the parents want more feedback on how can they stay healthy and how can they improve? And so that's kind of where it came to finding this, um, area to help help athletes stay healthy and improve their performance through 3D using 3D motion capture to work on their biomechanics. And what we saw in the gym today, I, I thought was absolutely fantastic. Describe what you do. You take an athlete and you took some of our athletes here at Golden Valley High School and you didn't hook, in, hook them up to anything. Just put them in the middle of that 
the, the little square you built and you ran them through some stuff. Explain what that is and what you do and what people can learn from sure. that. So the, the, the basic piece is if so you're listening to this on a, on a podcast. So picture a 10 by 10 area, basically we can go a little bit bigger than that, but a 10 by 10 square, we put eight cameras around that different angles. Um, and those eight cameras are capturing you from each angle. Well, with today's technology and what we all see in Hollywood and in the movies with the green screens, you can overlay what we call an avatar or a skeleton on top of the body that will measure all the joint segments. And also by collecting the mass of the individual or the weight of the individual, we can collect forces. So all that technology piles into capturing, you know, complete kinetics and kinematics are the fancy words for forces and angles that we can measure. So we essentially, in its rawest term, measure how your joints and muscles work together to produce your movement, your unique movement. From that, we can then identify any areas where there's any asymmetries or dysfunctions in your movement or things that may be um, either increasing your risk of injury or limiting your ability to perform at a higher level. And then call those out and then work with a performance coach or a position coach to be able to address those issues to help them, again, stay healthy and perform better on them. So then if I'm doing this and, and I saw it and and you look at me and you see something that's kind of out of whack and anybody that knows me knows that everything with me is out of whack. But as far as movements go, then we then take that information and we put that into a, a personal trainer or an athletic trainer or a coach and say, okay, this is wrong and this may lead to something in the future. Correct. Explain why, and you were saying the ankle, the knee, the hip. Sure. So yeah, a great one is um, low body. And whether it's going to be an athlete or whether it be us getting up and down every day to get something out of the, the lower cupboards in our kitchen. So when you squat down, there's a certain biomechanical um, pathway that happens there where you load into the hip, load into the knees, and then into the ankles. And when we look at our mobility, we want our ankles to stay mobile, our knees to be stable, our hips to be mobile, our low back to be stable, and then our upper back or our thoracic spine to be mobile. That's the proper kind of biomechanical chain. We want symmetry in both sides of that. Let's say you sprain your ankle and you just put that ankle up, you ice it and do some things, but it stiffens up. And now my right ankle that's sprained bends left and less than my left ankle. When I go to squat down, my brain is still going to want to be able to squat all the way down. So now my ankle, my right ankle bends less, so my right knee has to bend more. My right hip then drops and, and bends more to compensate for that right knee. And now I'm pulling on my low back. So something that comes down from my right ankle can affect my low back. So that's a long way of saying a lot of times where we feel our pain and where we're treating symptoms is not the root cause. So part of what this, these biomechanical analysis allow us to do is get at the root cause of the problem, treat that so that the rest of the body will then correct itself and move in a proper chain. So then I, I may have back pain, but it may come from my ankle. Yes. Or it, yeah, it can come from your ankle. So it can come up and below the chain. But once you interrupt one link in that chain, it throws everything off the sequence going up and down. So then how important is the education for parents, for coaches, for trainers to really understand how that works to then treat or train an athlete? Yeah. So that's the that's why we speak to them on an individual level. So, you know, we just did a young quarterback in there. So it's part of it's taking them through the assessment and doing the report. But then it's sitting down and explaining to them how, again, how their movement works specifically. Here's some of the things you can do to address that. I always reiterate, I'm here to help. I'm here to be by your side. But as the athlete, you have to do the work. And as a parent, right, you kind of have to stay with them on that and be engaged in it. Um, and then it's the reassessment. 
let's come back and measure again. Are there things you're doing to address this working? So if we're talking about that right ankle again, you do some dorsiflexion exercises to increase that range of motion. If it's working and it's increasing the next time we measure you, maybe eight to 12 weeks later, great. Keep doing those and let's keep measuring. If it's not responding, that's great information too, because now we know you're not responding to this. Let's change the program to try and address it versus just being subjective and going, I think it's bending more, but you'd never really know. So there's something that's very objective there that you can see. And now there's data there and you can use that data to then better plan a rehab program or just a basic exercise program for somebody. Correct. Yeah. That's the part of it is that in all of our lives, right? So it's right. The athlete has a goal to perform better. I have a goal. I want to play collegially or I want to make varsity next year, right? Part of that goal is breaking it down into what do I need to do? What are those steps? And any step toward a goal or either identifying little key performance indicators, KPIs being the term, or yeah, having an objective measurement to be able to do that, you know, will help you track and progress toward that goal or know you're off track and be able to adjust the goal as you, as you go. Now you, you see this with, with athlete, we do this with athletes and, and I've been around sports a long time and you see kids and I classify kids as there's a group of kids that that young man or that young lady, ridiculous. They, it's a DNA thing. They've got it all without really having to work. And then there are those that, you know, wow, with some work, that kid can be good. How much does this help that middle of the road kid to then take it to that next level? And even the top-notch athlete take it to the next level. Yeah, so the the top-notch athlete, what we get, especially when they're younger, is we kind of call it, it's it's a Ferrari with like the disc brakes or like the drum brakes on a 1974 you yeah, know, the, the Volkswagen. Yeah, Volkswagen. Yeah. So yeah, or put a Ferrari engine in a in a Volkswagen Beetle. So they got all this power, all this explosion, all this ability to create force quickly and velocity quickly, but they rarely have the landing mechanics or gear, and that increases their likelihood or risk of injury. So for them, it's talking to them about even though they're dominating on the court or they're dominating on the field of play, emphasizing to them they need to gain control of that. So yeah, it's that with great power comes great responsibility for the elite athlete, for the developmental athlete who are always near and dear to my heart. Cause I was one of them, yeah. right? even though I played, you know, at a, at a great division one program for a great coach, I was a walk on, I was a backup offensive lineman. Uh, my scholarship that I eventually earned my junior year was because I long snapped, found my role on the team that I could do while being a, a backup lineman. Um, but for developmental athletes, it helps to really get your mind and your body in sync, right? The more you can know your body and control it, the more you can focus on the techniques necessary to be able to improve your play, right? Because sometimes if you can't get it in raw athleticism, it's the Larry Bird example we're talking about earlier, knowledge of the game, knowledge of what's going on around you and how you perform best can give you an advantage. Now, can somebody like me, obviously, well, I never really had a career. My playing days were very limited, but somebody as we get older and our careers end, how can this help us with a personal exercise program with maybe... I, I want to lose 10 pounds around the midsection. I want to, I want to gain some strength. I want to change my physical appearance. Yeah. So stability and mobility is, yeah, it's a lifelong pursuit. Because even though we're doing this, like we said, on, with athletes in mind, if you can, the younger you are when you can develop your stability and, and good mobility, it's going to serve you well all the way in your 50s, 60s, and 70s to where it doesn't ache as much to get out of bed or that when you do get into your 70s and 80s, you don't need that walker or that little scooter or something like that. So, yeah, when you're done with your career, what we really want to do is get rid of those 
athlete-specific adaptations. So if you're a baseball player that's been pitching and you pitched through college and now, you know, kind of the, the, the athletic pursuit is done there and you're into real life, now we need to balance out your left and right sides, right? Your, your left leg needs to catch up with your right leg and, and power. You need to get the rotational, you know, rebalance between the right and left side so that you can just go about normal life um, without having those imbalances. Because most of the studies show more than a 10% imbalance between our right and left side increases our chance or increases our risk of injury by 70% or more. So just getting that balanced out will help us get rid of those aches and pain. And I know you've got a lot of data on this. How much when you see kids that, that come into your athletes or anybody that comes into you that are, are in a certain age group. So let's take a high school basketball player that go through this, that learn about this throughout their career, they have no injuries. And then the person that doesn't know about this has more injuries. Have you compiled any data about people that go through the program here and learn about this and injury rates versus those that don't? No, the, the injury rates, it's, it's too, yeah, it's still too, too large and kind of dynamic. Cause the, yeah, there'll be people that will come to me and we can't predict what would have happened if they wouldn't have, right. It's kind of, what did we help them avoid? What we do measure is their improvement on it. So okay. if we're talking about, uh, let's go female soccer players, right? So a lot of our high school female soccer players have a lot of inward knee turning, which they'll call dynamic valgus in that. But we can measure over time and show them that now if they can absorb more than 30 degrees and get that dynamic valgus out, they decrease their chance of a knee injury by four times. So when they land or jump, their knees don't turn in and hit each other. They're staying out and more kind of in line with everything. Correct. And that gives them more control. So you can think as they're changing direction, it's that knee turning inward when they're changing directions or landing uh, from something is where we get into, in the typical scenario, what you're going to get is patellofemoral pain or you know tendonitis of the knee is what will be described sometimes. Um, in the worst case scenario, then we're talking about ACLs and, and MCL type injuries or tendon injuries. But yeah, by strengthening that and keeping that more in line with their their hip and the knees turning out, then we're in a much healthier scenario to avoid those avoid those injuries. So yeah, but yeah, back to the larger question of and I, yeah, there isn't the data yet of injury versus non because I'll also there are athletes out there that we can measure and they'll go through their career even though they had some dysfunction that that will still go through without the injury. And they'll never know that they have it. They just go through their career and yeah, they'll tend to just have the aches and pains either during or after. And it tends to be as where the aches and pains really start to show up is as we add mass or weight. Okay. Right. So as the, as a high school athlete becomes a junior and senior and they start getting up as a male, you know, closer to that 175 to 200 pound range as a female athlete, as you start getting more toward 130 to 150 pounds of, of, of mass, or as you start to put on muscle, which you're supposed to, that's good. We want that mass there. Um, but you have to be able to um, control that. And, and what we were talking about in the gym was, so when I jump, if I'm a, a younger person and I don't weigh as much and I'm doing it wrong, when I get older and I put that weight on, if I'm doing it wrong again, now I have more force coming yeah. down on my joints. And if I'm doing it wrong, that's where the injuries occur. Exactly. So yeah, you're talking about, yeah, if they're young and they're around 100 pounds, maybe they're landing and they're generating 225 or 230 pounds of force when they're landing each time. For, that's as a freshman. But if they're a senior and they're up around 130, 140 pounds, now that might jump up to 400 pounds of force when they're landing. If they're still doing the same thing, that's a lot more force on those ligaments and those joints. Um, it just yeah, increases the risk. Yeah. 
We're going to take a break here a few minutes while we run through some commercials because somebody's got to pay for all this stuff. Want to make a bet on the Super Bowl? Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted sports books in the industry. Football not your thing? No worries. MyBookie's got it all. From the NBA to the Premier League, MyBookie has the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use your promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash for my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. This is a public service announcement. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have sex successfully created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are the first to confirm the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. This intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product. And I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. And as always, your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BLEAV. Let's talk about sleep. We need eight hours of sleep straight up. One of sleep's biggest problems, temperature. It's tough to get good sleep if you're too hot or too cold. It's our pleasure to introduce the pod by Eight Sleep. The pod is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool and your partner likes it warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. For the next week, get $200 off your pod and a free gravity blanket for a total value of $500. Only at 8sleep.com pro, E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro eightsleep.com slash pro back here with Chris Hess and we've been talking about sports and all this stuff do you have specific things for specific sports where well, I know we had a young man in the gym today that was a quarterback we had some soccer players come in what do you do specifically for kids that play maybe play different positions in a sport yeah so now we're able to we're just coming out of the prototyping phase right now of being able to assess sports specific movement. Um, so yesterday, for example, we were down in uh, Orange County working with uh, two Olympic hurdlers uh, on their starts to measure their, their, you know, all their joint angles and, and velocities up their their start that's so critical. And then we're working with quarterbacks as well. So we're able to get them in there, um, 
snap that avatar onto them and be able to measure all their joint angles and velocities that they're able to create when throwing. So if it's a quarterback, for instance, we'll look at how do the hips turn versus the thoracic spine or the upper, if you thoracic spine, sorry for the, the clinical talk, um, across the, how do the shoulders turn versus when does the elbow come through? There's a specific sequence that's efficient in that that helps keep them healthy. For a track athlete, the first couple steps coming out of the blocks, right, where every hundredth matters at the Olympic level of being able to maximize that, that piece and make sure there's the proper angle. So we can then kind of marry their specific movement to that baseline motion assessment. And again, now we can get at root causes that may be limiting them, right? Because there we're really starting to talk about performance optimization uh, for it to where we can. So I, we were working with a quarterback last week. Quarterback, when he threw it properly, when his hips turned properly to his shoulders and then to his elbow, he was experiencing low back pain from that. Well, one thing we noticed from his baseline assessment was his upper back would only turn about 10 degrees. It should be, at a quarterback at his level, close to 40 degrees. So when that upper back isn't turning as much, he's putting all that stress on the low back, and that's where the low back pain comes from. So then we start to get into, um, then kind of you can get down the rabbit hole. Maybe it is just helping his rotation of the upper back, but maybe it's coming from a weak core to where his back is having to compensate for that, and it stiffens everything up. Okay, that's I. I think it, it's just great. Now, the the multi multi sport kid. Do you find through this assessment that you do that that there are less injuries in kids that play multiple sports because by playing multiple sports you learn how to use your body differently? Yes, um, we'll always see that you know kids that play multiple sports um, they don't tend to have as big of asymmetries because they'll spend you know, one season working on one set of muscles that'll be dominant. So I'll, I'll give a good example of let's go, let's jump into again, a female uh, volleyball. So they're playing volleyball in the fall and that's a very quad and knee dominant sport with the way they're jumping and the way they're behaving. But then if they do track in the spring, that's very glute and hamstring focused and that helps them balance that quad piece. So now we're getting both sides of the, of the leg working out. And so when we see that, that again, where we talked about anything more than 10% asymmetry between sides or between muscle groups, we see the risk of injury go up and we can balance those. We reduce risk right away. Because correct me if I'm wrong. If I have really, really strong quads and, and I'm in a, 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 I'm playing football uh, I, I, or baseball and I may develop some hamstring issues because of that imbalance. Yeah, that you'll get it because it's where it tends to be is if the, so your quad dominant, quad dominant just means that you tend to lead your movements with using your knees and then being up on your toes, which a lot of sports are. But when you go to call on that hamstring, so maybe either you, you tweak the quad a little bit or you get in a position where that heel comes down and you're engaging that glute and that hamstring, if it isn't of the same or within 80% or more, right? Ideally, we want them to be hundred percent strength of each other, but at least keep the ratio 80 to, you know, hamstring within 80% strength of the quad. If it drops below that, yeah, now we're more susceptible to hamstring pulls or just, and again, or again, a lack of not optimizing their performance. Won't be able to jump as high, sprint as fast. And does playing multiple sports help kids prevent injuries because of the overuse factor that they get? Yes. Yeah. I mean, right. We see the <clears throat> epidemic, um, like I said, working in, in basketball and volleyball, which are these amazingly long seasons right where there, there really is no i think there might be three weeks of off season in in volleyball and basketball probably about the same 
maybe. I don't even know if basketball has one anymore. And baseball is pretty much all you run now. So yeah, if you just keep using those same muscles over and over and keep doing the same repetitive movements, then yeah, you're gonna those parts are gonna be just more susceptible. They're gonna break down. They're gonna break down more. And it make and again, I don't want people listening to think always of the catastrophic. Right. A lot of times it's not. It's the catastrophic sometimes can come from those the little aches and pains that you start to develop in an area and then you compensate away from that into another area. That's then when we start to to see more trouble. When we look at baseball pitchers, I'm just jumping around here. A lot of years ago, you see guys throw 200 innings in a season. Nolan Ryan threw over 200 innings 16 times. In a season, he threw over 303 times. How come he never had arm issues? Yeah, well, a lot of it is, you know, when you go back to Nolan Ryan or you go into Roger Clemens and those guys that could grind it out. And so kind of, I guess you're looking at the mid or, mid or late eighties and before. Yeah. Are they the, are they just outliers? Yeah. They're special. Make, okay. make no mistake that they're definitely special, but in some ways they never really stopped throwing. And, but the, when they throw, they wouldn't throw off a mound all okay. the time. So I think a lot of the research and there's better experts in this and you can read it out there, but a lot of the research has been found throwing off the mound is what creates so much of the, the, the torque and the tension on the elbow. Cause we don't see shortstops, third baseman getting Tommy John surgery. Right. And they throw low to mid nineties too. Yeah. Position, but they're throwing off a flat surface. So I think if you watch like, you know, I, I can be, remember when I was a, a teenager and younger watching Owen Ryan, whether he was throwing with a football or he was throwing long toss and doing those things on the outfield, flat surface. Okay. But he was throwing most days to do that. So he kept the endurance up to be able to have it, but he wasn't always off of a mound. And do you find that even now with all the technology, the arm conditioning, the sophistication we have, why are so many more people having Tommy John surgery? I, do you know or can you hypothesize why? Yeah, it would have to be a hypothesis because I haven't dug, dug that deep into the research to, to really understand what's going on at the epidemic levels. But I think it's just age that they're starting at and, again, throwing off the mound so much at such a young age of doing that and then yeah there, there's no and then there's no break so is like then you take a kid that may play little league and then he goes on to his travel ball team and and he's a pitcher and he's a good pitcher right. and everybody wants to win and this kid's pitching three games in a weekend at 12 years old yeah and then yeah so you've got that age and then now if we start mixing in if they're throwing any things other than fastballs and change-ups right where we're now we're going to put more torque on the internal rotation that as they release the ball, whether it's to throw a slider or throw a curve or, or do something that puts movement on the ball. Now we're compounding that and, and, and putting on any more. So yeah, more frequent use, more range of pitches. Yeah. Is there a, stress. is there a proper way to throw a curveball at a young age? Because I, I think it was, I think I read from uh, Dr. James Andrews, you should not be throwing anything like that until you're old enough to shave. Yeah, I would not. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would, I absolutely agree with anything one that that yeah. man says. In the, but yeah, I mean, it's more of the, those younger athletes. Yeah. Fastball, you know, if you want to go between two seam, four seam, great. Or like I said, or just hold it tighter and deeper and have that be your changeup. Good. But just con- learn control at that yeah. age. Learn control and then work on um, as they're developing because, right, they still don't have, I think, kids that are eight, nine years, they don't have neuromuscular control yet. Neuromuscular control, I just call it, they're still wiggly. Yeah. So like yeah. I won't assess kids typically until they're, you know, if they're real good athletes and have control, 12 and then 13. Okay. But it's really high school because 
Otherwise, the system will find and the technology will find dysfunction where there isn't dysfunction just because they just haven't gained control of all those limbs. They're like they they're, they're like Gumby. Yeah, Gumby, or I always call them, they're like baby giraffes. Especially yeah. when they're growing yeah. fast, that they're like trying to, every couple of weeks or every couple of months, they're growing another inch in their brains trying to figure out, hey, why is this limb out here now? Like, yeah, where am I? It's, it's the gangly, you grew two shoe sizes over a yeah, summer. Yeah, and so it's just getting through that, letting the brain gain control of that. Again. Okay. Able to do it. Is there something that you can do that technology can do that trainers can do to to train that kid to control themselves, or does that just come with age and growing into yourself? It comes with age. It comes with time. Um, you know, while we don't encourage strength training until right again, kind of that high school time frame or when they're ready for it, but there are stability and mobility things okay. that can be worked on. And we were talking earlier, laughing. Um, you know, one of the people I really respect out there is a gentleman named Greg Cook. Um, big mobility expert, created functional motion FMS testing, which was kind of the first objective testing put into a lot of strength and conditioning programs. And it could always go, kind of goes back to being a baby. Um, you know, when babies are first kind of army crawling, putting one forearm and then the other, and they get up on all fours and they're crawling on their hands and knees, you're developing your core starting at that time frame, right? That's kind of the first thing. And so a kid that jumps up and walks really early, maybe at nine months old, or so we get excited as parents. Like, right. Oh, look, this, they're so advanced that they can get up and do it. But or, or we don't get excited because now we have to chase them yeah, all around the house. Around. Yeah. But in some ways, you know, Gray always makes the thing. It might be better if we just kind of knock them back down or knock them over and let them crawl some more to develop that core. Because if you stand up or do anything too quick like that, you can't control your torso with your core yet. Now other muscle groups, the brain is fantastic in the sense that it will just start recruiting other groups. Okay. Right? It'll grab your glutes. It'll grab your hamstrings to support your core. And you'll start compensating early, early in life. Um, and then the brain remembers that. So it's the same thing I talk about with players coming back to return to play from injury. So if you tweaked an ankle or even if you're coming back from a major knee surgery, your brain is now memorized. So let's say right knee injury. Your brain is now memorized. My left side needs to become more dominant to save my right. Good. We love the brain for that, to be able to do that. But once that right side is cleared, that right knee is cleared again, we have to reprogram the brain to now trust that right side again. Because even if, if we leave it, the brain's just going to keep sending everything to the left. You, and so is, you literally have to deprogram yourself and get back into is it. Is that thing kind of the mental part where now I can trust putting pressure on my knee? I can trust changing direction on my knee? Yes. Yeah. So you have to have that confidence with it. And that's why you have, you know, there's kind of that decision-making team around an athlete of your physician, your physical therapist, your parents, right? Your coach and everything. And when they say, Hey, medically you are cleared to go. You're passing the right tests to be strong enough to return. You've got to trust it and, and lay into it and, and do that. And that's all up top. That's all up top of being able to do that and having the discipline to feel that balance coming back. But that's part of also what we offer the technology brings in, which is we can pick up compensations between okay. right and left side to where we'll, Sometimes when I'm going through as much of the conversation I'll have with the athlete is what's your history? Um, because I'll see that you're shifting way to your left side and nothing may hurt right now on your right side, but maybe two years ago you sprained an ankle, but you just never forced the weight back onto that right side to balance it out. And then when you then take a, a, a young athlete and put him through the test that I saw, if you have the before, then the after, and you can say, look, you went through these tests say, take a knee injury, for example, your knees are fine. You went through these things and look right here, everything is okay. So now you have to trust it. And then it just becomes, I just have to do it once and I feel it and now I can go do it. Yeah. It's building that, giving them the confidence to be able to do it again. 
Um, I know the answer to the question, but besides understanding movement and, and flexibility, how important then is nutrition with all of this? Oh, it's critical. Um, anytime I'm talking about an athlete, you know, can I picture an athlete? So draw a little stick figure, right? There, here's an athlete, and then draw a circle around the outside of them. And then there's a gotta be a there's a team around that that helps them that are involved in their decision making skills. So of course, it, first and when we're talking about our families. And then there's our coach. Sometimes if it's a big enough sport, it's our position coach is involved in that. Then we've got our, our doctors and our, you know, sports medicine side. And then we've got our performance training, strength and conditioning. You know, I kind of represent the sports science in that. And then nutrition is just a big a part of that, right? Of what are you fueling your body with, right? Because we all know as kids, we all like the yummy. Oh, yeah. We all like, we all like crap food, food junk food. food. Give me a Twinkie. I'm happy. But the fuel you're putting into your body is going to determine how long you can you can burn and, and sustain. And again, the kind of the earlier you start on the nutrition side of understanding and, um, you know, there's the, these great, uh, and you can find them all over Instagram and online if you don't work with an actual nutritionist, but I think there's one over here at Mamba Sports Academy where she's great at putting up, you know, cutting the, so our circle, most of our plates are circles. And right. she divides it up into, if you're a high performance athlete, right, it's a third protein, a third carbs, a third, you know, um, colors. That's, that's the best. Okay. Yeah. Actually, yeah. The green side. stuff nobody but, likes yeah. to eat. Yeah. But the way all know is good for us, you know, but if, if you, so that's like a high performance athlete one, if you're just a, um, you know, kind of the rest of us, you know, working stiffs as we get older, where we work an eight hour a day job, not so mobile and we do some recreational pace, then maybe it needs to be more half plate of colors. A, quor- a quarter of the plate is protein. A quarter of the plate is carbs. Okay. It just breaks it down into being much more simple. But the key of nutrition is it's different for everyone. It's yeah. one of the most complex chemistries and biologies that come together. How I process sugar and protein and all these different things is very different than how you may and how someone else is. So you kind of got to dial in what works for you. And then it's also sports specific. If I am, you know, a long distance athlete, a cross country runner, a long distance yeah. swimmer, as opposed to a football player that needs more weight, more strength. It's going to be very, very different. Yeah, it, yeah, it changes. It changes drastically. Um, are you presently working with schools, colleges? Who do you work with right now? I know you're up here at our school, and I'm going to, you know, talk to some people. Maybe we can get you out again and, and present to our whole athletic department. But who are you presently working with right now? So just some a few examples of who we work with. So um, we work with a lot of performance training centers. So it'll be like Stars in Anaheim right now. We're working with their pre-draft classes that are so now you've got the collegiate athletes coming out of collegiate football, getting ready to go in the draft or into the combine. Um, so we do that with um, Stars, and we do that with uh, Mamba as well, the Mamba Sports Academy okay. um, up here in um, LA County, but also in Orange County. Um, as an example of kind of the professional training side, uh, the high school side, we'll work with Sage Hill down there. A lot of the individual high school athletes, we haven't worked directly with the high schools yet. It's been more through the, their performance trainers that they're working okay. outside of school. Okay. Um, and then, uh, we also work with, for example, uh, Long Beach state. Okay. Um, we do their women's volleyball program and then we do quite a bit with some of the club volleyball programs and teams down in, uh, Orange and LA County. So like Mizuno, Long Beach, um, based out of, uh, out of Long Beach, obviously, uh, A4 out of uh, Foothill Ranch or Lake Forest areas, T Street down in Irvine um, as examples. You mentioned club sports, and we see it. It's, it's been exploding the last I probably 10 to 15 years. Kids are playing club sports. They're chasing that scholarship. And we talked about it earlier. Is club sports kind of not ruining high school sports, but 
but taking away from it because kids don't want that grow up with my buddies, play in junior high school, play in high school, have long lasting memories. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Overall, I think it's a good thing. It does take away from the high school experience in some regard, but it can also deliver some experiences that, that it's hard for high schools to cover now, right? Because high schools are challenged for funding and everything like that. And, and you know this from all your years in high school, being a high school coach. And by the way, if you're a parent listening to this, please understand what your high school coach goes through of, they've got a day job of actually teaching your student, which is most important. And then they're gonna make maybe a couple grand yeah, <laughs> you know, to do this and they're going to work right? three hour practices, all the, the time prep of film, all and then taking, you know, the last thing we need to do as parents is then start dumping phone calls on them yeah. and things and putting pressure on them when they're doing this for a couple, you know, a few thousand dollars, again, outside of their expertise. So I don't think there's anything malicious. So what the, the role the club fills in that is you get professionals, right, where now it's a business. And this is why it kind of becomes this this bigger piece that takes up more time is that to pay professional coaches, there needs to be more time and, and money put into it, right? To be able to get that experience, whether it's soccer academies or like I said, volleyball and, and baseball teams. So that requires more time. So now the club volleyball season that my daughter's in will go from November through July. It'll finish. But that's kind of the necessity of the sport to be able to pay those coaches to do that full time, to be able to do it. So there's, they add so much more in the knowledge and the, in what they teach the kids um, and the athleticism and the opportunities they offer them and the competition is great. But yes, there is definitely a side on the, on the high school side that it, that it impacts where it pulls time away from that. And really what it pulled away was the multi-sport athlete. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really the impact that it had is that instead of playing you know, volleyball in the fall and then playing basketball in the winter and then playing, you know, doing track in the spring and then maybe softball in the summer or, or late fall. Or whatever it is. Or whatever it is, that path is, that part's kind of, that's what's disappearing now where you're specializing, you're selecting. And like I, we talked about earlier is that for the longest time, I tried to fight that battle as far as no yeah. multiple sports, but I understand we're fighting against um, kind of the positive feelings and interactions kids have from being good and becoming good at something. So now what I try and push into it is, okay, if you want to specialize, you still need to go train those muscle groups that you aren't using. Right. Because otherwise you get the repetitive use injuries and the breakdown and you need to take time to recover. Right. So when there is that short off season or that walk away, right. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Yeah. And I'm just talking physically. Yeah. Right. Not even getting into the mental side of of the burnout that, that that creates. Um, and the athletes. So it's really making sure that your kid wants to do it. As Tony and I talked about earlier, if you're doing it for college, that is not the right motivation or reason. If you want to get the scholarship you in these sports, you are much better served taking the money you would have spent on that sport and putting it into a college fund. It's going to grow much faster and deliver a much higher return for you for getting your kid into college. However, if your goal is to, I want to teach my athlete or my child life lessons, right? competition, coming back and struggling, you know, what it is, the amount of work you have to put in to achieve something that you want as a goal. If those are your motivations, fantastic. Come on in, right? Sports yeah, are built yeah. for that. Um, that. That we welcome that piece of it. But just make sure those priorities are there because it's uh, it's less than 3% of high school athletes that get to even play in college, less than 1% that get a scholarship. Yeah, yeah. And it's, this- it's a 
it's a small fraction. And everybody thinks their kid is the next everything. And and we we can't tell them that their kid isn't. I think that sometimes they have to live through it. And and eventually we all come to that realization that you know what? My kid's not the next Derek Jeter or LeBron James or you know uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. That's a big point that and it's something I took away from again the business world of there was a book called Good to Great. And there was a piece in there, and I'm paraphrasing here if anybody remembers the book, but it's called The Stockdale Paradox. And this goes back to Admiral Stockdale when he was in uh, Vietnam and a prisoner of war. And they asked, well, how did you make it, right, through through being a prisoner? What made the difference between the guys who made it and the guys who broke and, and unfortunately died there? And he goes, the ones that always had hope were in trouble, right? Oh, we're going to get out by Christmas. Oh, we're going to get out by Easter, right? That, that eventually they just broke down because they just didn't see the end of it. He goes, what he learned from that was he was always brutally honest with where he was currently in his situation, but always kept the optimism that in the end it would prevail. So that's the same way I, I am with the athletes where, okay, so you've got an athlete that wants to play in college. Let's be brutally honest with here's where you are right now. And when brutally, I mean honest. Yeah, not, yeah. Not <clears throat> mean. Um, but let's be honest with your situation where you are right now but always with the goal of, yes, if you want to become a, a collegiate volleyball player, it may not be at Stanford or UCLA or something like that, but there are 330 Division One volleyball programs out there. That's Division One. Yeah. Division Two and Division Three and NAI. Oh, yeah. There's even more. So there's, yeah. a, there's a place. And then if that aligns with what do you want to do for a career, where do you want to get an education, what do you value, big school, small school, it's all out there for you. So I, I never discourage the goal. But we just want to be real with where you are and then lay out those steps of how to get there. I, I constantly tell kids, don't think college. What do you want to do for a living? So career. What do you need to major in to do that job? And then what college has that major? Oh, I want to be an architect and I want to go to UCLA. Well, if UCLA doesn't have an architecture program, why would you go there? Maybe there's a small school in the middle somewhere else that would love to have an athlete of your caliber. Now you can use the school to pay for your education to get that job to then get that career. Yeah, that's the that's the best case scenario. So, and that's our job as parents. Right? Yeah, I've got a 15 year old daughter now. Your kids are getting older in college now, right? Well, well, yeah, yeah, crazy of, of doing it. So we've kind of been through it. I'm in the middle of it. You're kind of coming to the tail end, but we still have to be there um, and advise. We know the teenagers; they don't always want to listen to mom and dad. No. Um, but they'll listen to the next door neighbor. They'll listen to the next door neighbor, of course. Yeah. Or, but that's also the responsibility. And again, where I go back to sports, they will hold their coaches in high regard. And that's, again, I see so many good coaches that are looking at the athlete as a whole and not, and not just having it be about the sport. They're really taking care of and being a positive role model for them in life. Um, last thing, if, if people are interested in learning more about this, how can they get in touch with you? What's the best, easiest, most convenient way? Convenient way is, right, go into the, the magic light box of the computer, um, biometric.com. And biometric is B-I-O-M-E-T-R-E-K. When we are yeah. trademarking, doing things, sometimes we have to spell things a, a little bit different. So biometric.com or Instagram, I think it's at biometric, just okay. the way it's spelled. Um, and then it's got that phone number, is my phone number. Okay. It's on the screen that I pick up an answer unless I'm in the middle of assessments. Email is on there that I answer and check daily. Um, so those are both the, the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. And then there's videos on there. So you okay. can kind of see um, the process and how everything and works. Is, the technology we use. There's a great piece on there from Notre Dame. Okay. Talking about how they use it in their athletic programs to be able to identify 
um, ways to keep their athletes healthy and keep them performing better. So there's some some good information on that. Well, awesome, Chris. I, I cannot thank you enough for taking the drive in Southern California on the 405 freeway. Thank God for you. It was Saturday and there's no traffic. Uh, but thank you for coming up here. I appreciate taking the time. And and like I said, I'm going to talk to the people at our school and see if we can get something, you know, moving forward in the future. Yeah, I, I greatly appreciate the opportunity. And like I said, in the end, you know, all I'm doing is trying to play a role in helping each athlete or person kind of find their way to be their best. And to do whatever they want to achieve their goals. Yes. Well, Chris, thank you again. And if you enjoyed this, if you want to subscribe, please subscribe. If you would like to advertise or you want to get more involved, hit me up at my email, TonyMoskal at gmail.com or via Twitter at TonyMoskal. Until then, thanks again for joining us and have a great rest of your day. 2020, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.